1: What's up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Monday, July, the first edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we go beyond the training camp battles that everybody knows about. We're going to break down the 10 roles that will be decided in August, plus the worst jersey purchases by Dolphins fans and another player's added to the supplemental draft this month. We'll talk about that and much more. But first, before any of it, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Himalaya, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Play, wherever you get your podcast from. Go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give me a follow on Twitter, at LinkfulNFL, the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter. Let's get that thing up to 10,000 followers. And the show, at Locked Fins. And you can find this article on the top 10 training camp battles up on LockedOnDolphins.com, as well as the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast, for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's get into it. That's another Miami Dolphins. And First Andres' Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your French trip. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that get rewarded. And we're going to start this podcast off by talking about my college football team and how it relates to the Miami Dolphins in this month's supplemental draft into the NFL and those that are not familiar every July the NFL hosts its supplemental draft for players who are declared ineligible for the college football season or for whatever reason could not participate in last year's draft and cannot play in this year's college football season and Washington State's best player on offense or defense has just been added to that list Jalen Thompson was declared ineligible he was an all pac 12 safety last year somebody probably bought him a McChicken or something like that an undercover NCAA representative he was set to be a top 10 safety heading into the year wsu's only real threat to be an all-american this season this is a devastating blow to my alma mater but it could be a blessing in disguise to the Miami Dolphins. This guy had a chance to climb up as high as maybe a first-round draft pick next year. He is slated on some mock drafts right now to go on the third round of next April's draft, but that changes now, obviously. Probably more likely to be a day-two pick next season, but now you have to imagine that as a supplemental pick, He's probably a day three option. And given Miami's war chest of draft picks, it makes a ton of sense to go out and capture a cheap young safety that has big time potential. He's an exceptional tackler. He can play deep safety. He can play nickel corner. He can do a lot of different things for you. And the Dolphins next season where it looks like Rashad Jones and possibly TJ McDonald could be departing, this is a great opportunity to add a young safety and kind of get yourself ahead of the game in that regard and take away one hole or one need on the roster in this next coming offseason. So that's one issue that could get sorted out immediately, the issue being the need for a long-term running mate, along with Minka Fitzpatrick or Bobby McCain, or whoever the primary safety will be in this defense going forward. But we've got a bunch of other roster battles to sort out, and let's go ahead and start with this piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com, the top 10 training camp battles in 2019 for your Miami Dolphins. And let's start at the bottom with number 10. And we'll start with tight end depth for the number three tight end position behind Mike Gesicki and Dwayne Allen, who figure to be the top two tight ends on the depth chart, even though their job descriptions could not be more polarizing. Those two will battle for the top tight end snap counts on the roster this year. But the guys behind them, it comes down to Nick O'Leary and Durham Smythe. And I tend to give the advantage a little bit towards O'Leary because this offense wants to run two back sets and O'Leary can kind of function as a fullback and H-back though I wouldn't put it past Smythe to play some of that role as well. So those two guys battled it out. Last year's in-season acquisition in Nick O'Leary compared to last year's 2018 fourth-round draft pick in Durham Smythe. It would be probably more beneficial for the Dolphins if Smythe worked out because he can be here under club control cheap for the next couple of years, but he's going to have to beat out Nick O'Leary, who had some good reps last season in limited work in about a half of a season for your Miami Dolphins. Number nine, we go to the sub-package linebacker role, and frankly, you could put everybody on this list, but I limit it to Andrew Van Ginkle, Chase Allen, Mike Hole, and J. Ron Elliott. The first three linebackers on this roster, for better or worse, whether you like it or not, are pretty much set in stone. Raekwon McMillan, Jerome Baker and the reason I put that caveat in there is Kiko Alonso, very mixed opinions on Alonso throughout this fan base, but like the defensive line position, the linebackers on this defense are going to be asked to fulfill specific roles and roles they inherently succeed with, and that's why I like Van Ginkle to win this job among all of these guys. He has a shot to carve out considerable playing time on this roster through his versatility and prowess with certain things that really excel in today's NFL, that of course being coverage and blitzing skills, but I that Mike Hole and Chase Allen have a chance to play some of that in between the B gap linebacker role and the battle and to battle rather for the right to back up Rayquad McMillan as the middle linebacker. And then J Ron Elliott is probably the closest copy this team has to a Kyle Van Noy lookalike. And he worked with Patrick Graham in the past and has produced results in this defense, or I should say a similar defense under Patrick Graham. So I think he has a shot as well. But I'm going to go ahead and go with Van Ginkle, Elliott, and Allen as the top three guys off the bench. At linebacker, number eight is a more depth interior defensive line depth, and we're going here deep into the depth chart for the number six interior defensive lineman, and that comes down to Jamius Pittman, Kendrick Norton, and Joey Embu. Now we know Christian Wilkins, Vincent Taylor, Devon Godshaw, Akeem Spence, and Adolphus Washington most likely figure in to the prominent rotation among the top five guys, but there's probably room for another one. And we'll have to find out who it's going to be between Pittman, Norton, and Embu. I'm going to go with Embu because of the relationship he had with Patrick Graham and the fact that he's built like the prototype in this defense that you want. A guy that has long arms, good explosiveness, and built like a house to play the nose tackle position for maybe 200 or 300 snaps this season. So Embu wins that gig. The number seven camp battle comes down to the third running back position. Again, I told you guys we're going to get into the weeds and talk about the depth, which is going to be important to develop this team long-term under Brian Flores. And we go back to the third running back position for number seven here between Miles Gaskin, Mark Walton, Patrick Laird, and Kenneth Farrow. Basically, the entirety of the rest of the running back roster when you remove Chandler Cox, Kalen Balazs, and the starter Kenyon Drake. There's a lot of talent on this position group, and I think that it's pretty clear the top two guys will be Drake and Balaj But Miles Gaskin had the major production at UW. Mark Walton was a hometown hero who can play some football, has a lot of talent. He's just a bit of a knucklehead and got himself arrested multiple times with the Bengals. Those two are the favorites, but Laird and Farrow are not going to go quietly, although my ultimate prediction is that Miles Gaskin earns that gig, and he is the number three running back come opening day. And the sixth and final one we'll do here before the break is the seventh active offensive lineman on game day. I think the top six are pretty well set in stone between Larry Tunzel, Michael Dieter, Daniel Kilgore, Chris Reed, Jesse Davis, and Jordan Mills. And then there's a considerable drop-off going down to the next lineman. That group is spearheaded by Zach Sterup, who's been with the team for a couple of years now and has played some football. But of course, with Jordan Mills being the potential swing tackle, swing sixth lineman, then there might not be room for Zach Sterup because he is a tackle exclusively. The same is true for Isaiah Prince, the sixth round draft pick. We'll see if he goes in the practice squad or makes the opening day roster. Tony Adams is there, Shaq Calhoun, Kyle Fuller, Michael Dunn, Jared Jones-Smith, Tons of players that could crack this unit. I'm going to go with a dark horse here, an undrafted guy from Mississippi State, and take Shaq Calhoun as the seventh offensive lineman active on opening day against the Baltimore Ravens. Okay, we're going to come back on the other side of the podcast and get to the top five position battles here as we head into training camp. These ones were really more the appetizer, trying to wet your palate a little bit with the depth on the team, but these next five will have more prominent roles on Sundays. We'll get to that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins.
0: part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Good news for you fans of the in-depth breakdowns on LockedOnDolphins.com. Kevin Dern has another defensive exploration piece in the works For you longtime fans of the show, you know that anytime Kevin writes, you're going to learn something about football. That piece should be out sometime this week up on LockedOnDolphins.com. Let's go ahead and get back into the piece that's currently up on LOD.com, the top 10 training camp battles as we head closer and closer into the 2019 football season. And the entire idea behind this piece is that while some of these battles, like the ones we talked about in the first segment, Might be a little bit underwhelming or just maybe something you don't care about in general, but the development of this depth and these young guys on this roster, which basically has been the entirety of these first five position battles we talked about here on the podcast, the tight end depth at number 10, the linebacker or sub-package linebacker depth at number nine, the interior defensive line depth at number eight, the third running back at number seven, and the seventh offensive lineman to be active on game days at number six, All of those guys have a chance to figure into the Dolphins rotation, not just this season, but going forward. And as we get into these top five position group battles, this training camp, you start to see a little bit more of a jump from developmental depth guys to guys that are maybe depth right now that could develop into long-term starters and substantial contributors to the football team, hopefully part of the turnaround for this organization. So we go back to number five right here. And the number five training camp battle for 2019 for the Miami Dolphins is for the XY receiver position and that comes down to Devontae Parker. Bryce Butler, and Preston Williams. Of course, you've got Reese Horn and Isaiah Ford possibly running in that mix as well, although Ford's probably more of a slot receiver. But this is an interesting battle because it brings apart the annual offseason MVP in Devontae Parker with this year's offseason MVP, although you could argue that was Parker as well, in Preston Williams, the undrafted free agent from Colorado State. And the top three receivers on this Dolphins depth chart, they pretty much function as similar type of players, guys that can play inside or out, that being Al Robert Wilson, Kenny Stills, and Jakeem Grant, but they're also burners, guys that can get vertical down the football field. So the Dolphins need one of these three guys, Parker, Butler, or Williams, to assert themselves as the primary ex-receiver on this football team. Now at times, we've seen Devontae Parker absolutely dominate at that position. Last year, we saw Bryce Butler catch a touchdown against the Patriots, up against Stephon Gilmore, the number one cornerback in the NFL last year, in my opinion, no less. And that's all good and well, but Bryce Butler pretty much is what he is. He's an $800,000 per year player. He's more depth than anything. These other two guys offer far more upside. And Devontae Parker coming back on a reduced contract. You hope he's humbled. Joe Shad told us he was in the podcast. Humbled, that is. So hopefully he brings that mentality and he can produce more consistently and stay healthy this year. We talked about Butler's quality depth that he provides. And then Williams with the upside, the former five-star recruit who found himself in trouble in college gets himself kicked out of Tennessee, winds up at Colorado State, and he turns that into his personal highlight reel location at Colorado State. My projection here is that Devontae Parker earns this role and gets a chance to prove himself with a clean slate under a new coaching staff and gets to start from square one. You hope he takes that. He has an opportunity to turn his career around and turn his legacy around here in Miami. And jumping up to the number four position battle, this training camp for the Miami Dolphins jumps to the other side of the ball, the primary on-ball-slash-off-ball combo role. I'm talking about linebacker-slash-defensive end, seven-technique-slash-two-point stance on-ball linebacker, that's Charles Harris versus Nate Orchard, and you could probably put Tank Carradine on this list as well, although I think Tank's probably more of a five-base technique, a guy that sets the edge in the running game and really works primarily as a first-down player on this defense. Charles Harris is a guy that should be able to fulfill this role based upon his talent, but we know that he's been a two-year draft bust so far, but I think like Devontae Parker, he gets a clean slate and a chance to turn it around. Now you go back to his rookie season, Charles Harris showed flashes as a guy, not only as an outside rusher in that Saints game, for instance, but he also kicked inside and played nickel pass rusher inside, and he looked pretty good at that nickel defensive tackle role. He's going to battle Nate Orchard. We all know about him starring on Hard knocks last season but he's been a journeyman to this point of his career and that kind of tells you where Charles Harris is through two years the fact that he's battling against Nate Orchard a journeyman like Nate Orchard and so because of that I think Charles Harris wins this job wins this role and gets a 16 game slate to prove himself and turn around reverse that bust status that he has fairly or unfairly been donned by Dolphins fans so far so Devonte Parker and Charles Harris, two of the most recent draft letdowns in Dolphins history recent Dolphins history, I should say, have a chance to turn things around and get themselves back into the good graces of the coaching staff and the fan base as well. The number three position battle, and now we're starting to get more into starters on the offense and defense, is the offensive line for three positions. And we know who it comes down to. Jesse Davis, Michael Dieter, Chris Reed, and Jordan Mills, the four guys competing for those three spots. And the ironic thing about this position and the Dolphins approach this offseason to the offensive line was they went for durability and toughness and versatility, guys that can kind of cross-train across the offensive line. Of course, Jesse Davis, the only 16-game starter on the roster last season. You've got Michael Dieter, who is the all-time starts leader for Wisconsin Badger football history. And then Jordan Mills, who has his own 49-game starting streak, respectively, going back to 2015. So all these guys can play A lot, they can get through injuries and keep themselves on the football field. But then you've got Daniel Kilgore, the center, who hasn't played a full season but once, over the last five seasons, missed 12 games last year, and the four games he played weren't all that good either. So this position group has to work itself out. They have to find the right combination. My projection for the winner of the offensive line, you guys have heard me talk about it pretty much all offseason. It's going to go Laramie Tunzel, Michael Dieter, Daniel Kilgore, Chris Reed, and Jesse Davis for the number three training camp battle in 2019 for your Miami Dolphins. And these number... Two and number one projections here should be no surprise. We start with number two, the cornerback position, everyone but Zavian Howard, because between Bobby McCain and Minka Fitzpatrick, the slot cornerback position is spoken for. Those two guys are going to rotate at nickel corner, safety outside of the perimeter, and they join Zavian Howard as the prominent fixtures at the cornerback position. But then you basically have a mystery bag to round out the other three, three or four spots rather. On the positional depth chart at cornerback, we know Eric Rowe gets first cracked. He is the most accomplished of the group, but his medical history is eye-popping. 27 missed games over the last three years. He's the most talented, the most polished. We'll see if he can stay healthy. Beyond that, I love Jalen Davis, but he's probably more suited to play inside, but he's a playmaker at that position. Torrey McTire got lots of action last season, and Cornell Armstrong, I thought, had some ups and downs, although most of those ups were on special teams. He'll get a chance to improve in year number two as well. Cordray at Tankersley, probably the biggest mystery on this entire roster. A very impressive 2017 rookie campaign. Then last year's struggles in preseason gets even worse in season, gets benched, gets put way down on the depth chart, then he tears in. ACL in practice, pretty much the worst possible season you can imagine for a second year player. I think he winds up on PUP to start the year because that ACL happened in October and he might need more time to recover to play a position with lots of change of direction, like the cornerback spot. The Dolphins love Jamal Wiltz. He was on the Patriots practice squad the last couple of years under Josh Boyer. And Nick Needham is my undrafted free agent pick to make this roster. He's got fantastic footwork and there's a great piece. I forget who wrote it. I'll have to go back and find it and retweet it about how he excels in man coverage and basically just dominated all of his opposition in college at UTEP. So those are the guys. My projected opening day cornerback depth chart goes Zavian Howard, obviously, and then the mix of Fitzpatrick and McCain as your number two snap taker. Eric Rowe, the third snap taker, and then I'm going Cornell Armstrong, Torrey McTire, and then Nick Needham with Cordray Tankersley on the PUP list. And number one, no real surprise here, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, it's Josh Rowe, and a winner-take-all quarterback competition for the ages. Just kidding, just Fitzpatrick and Rosen, kind of underwhelming in terms of a QB competition. But we know that if Fitzpatrick wins this job, Dolphins fans are going to be bummed out about Josh Rosen's development, and it probably says negatively a lot about him in regards to winning the job in training camp. Eventually, he's going to get starts, When that hap- whether that happens in September or October, who knows, but Fitzpatrick is liable to have those really, really bad stretches of play. That's when Rosen comes off the bench, if he doesn't win the job initially, and if that's the case, who cares if he earned the job out of camp or in October? If he's going to be the answer, he's going to show you, and nobody will care about training camp 2019 if he's the long-term answer. With all that said, my projected opening day starter, as you guys know by now, is going to be Ryan Fitzpatrick, under Center at quarterback. So those are the top 10 camp battles heading into 2019. Training camp is less than four weeks away now. We've almost made it to the end of the offseason. And among these 10 camp battles, you probably won't find too many players who jersey whose jersey you might purchase. But when we come back on the other side and finish up this Sunday/slash Monday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, we're going to talk about the worst jersey purchases I've ever made, as well as some of yours from my Twitter thread on Saturday. All of that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. And I want to say a special thanks to Untuck It for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Untuck It shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking, no tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, use promo code NBA to get 20% off your order. is rather awful and it spans beyond the football field. My Seattle Mariner Jersey purchases are probably even worse than my Miami Dolphin Jersey purchases. The one most notable, number two overall draft pick back in 2008 or something like that was Dustin Ackley. He came one pick after Steven Strasburg, and I recently sold that jersey at a yard sale for $5. So taking about a negative $95 ROI on that one, I was there for Dustin Ackley's first game. He hit a shot back through the five hole of the pitcher, and then game number two, hit an upper deck home run at Safeco Field. We're like, okay, this guy is our second baseman for the long-term future. He's a stud. He can hit. I'm going to buy that jersey, and it worked out the way it did. The other one that I bought was another shortstop, or I should say middle infielder, but a shortstop, my personal position, my most coveted position on the baseball diamond, Cattell Marte, who was playing okay as a Mariner, not a high OPS, but he did have a high batting average. He gets traded four months later, and now he's an all-star shortstop, or should be an all-star shortstop, with 21 home runs before the break out in Arizona. That, in addition to Jay Ajayi and Jarvis Landry purchases in 2017 and 2016, those four purchases combined brought me to my ultimate decision to never buy a jersey again. I started off strong as a kid, and I had jerseys of all the other teams' players. You know how you are when you're young, superstars. I got myself a Charles Woodson jersey, work done. a closet full of football jerseys. But those like the $50 replica jerseys, I got older and started spending more money on the Nike Elites because I like to look good, and it just never worked out for me. But I did start off strong as a kid with King Griffey Jr. jerseys, a pair of Dan Marino jerseys, and then things just slowly got worse from there. I got Lamar Smith because of that incredible Indianapolis Colts playoff game. I wore that thing with pride. I bought a pair of Ricky Williams jerseys, one aqua, one white. I did the same thing with Chris Chambers, one aqua, one white. And the same thing with Ronnie Brown, in an aqua and a white. I bought a white Ted Ginn jersey. I bought an aqua Brandon Marshall jersey. I've got a pair of Ryan Tannehill jerseys. I bought an aqua Jarvis Landry jersey and a throwback Jay Ajayi jersey. My issue really is that for whatever reason, I never bought defensive players. You listen to that list. Every single one of those guys is a quarterback, receiver, or running back. I'm just an offensive guy through and through. And that coincides with the fact that Miami hasn't had a top 10 offense since I was in middle school back in 2002. So I'm clearly cursed. In that regard it's my duty to no longer purchase jerseys and the reason for this entire segment came from my Saturday morning errands and I always thought once a player left the team unless it was like a hall of famer or a ring of honor player you just stop wearing that jersey but apparently not I saw a guy walking down the main drag here in my hometown wearing a silver Jamarcus Russell jersey Then, at the grocery store, I see a guy wearing an Aaron Curry Seahawks jersey, and if you'll recall, he was the fourth overall draft pick in 2009 of the Seattle Seahawks, right ahead of Mark Sanchez to the Jets, that Wake Forest linebacker that was supposed to be a can't-miss prospect. He very much was a miss. So I wanted to ask you guys about your jersey purchases. And so I put the call out on Twitter. You guys write back in, tell me your worst jersey purchase. I'm just going to roll down the list and stop when we get out of time. The first one comes from the staff editor at Locked On Dolphins, Jason Harina at Miami D-Punks. Check him out. He does fantastic work for the website. He bought a David Boston jersey, says he wishes he was joking, but he's not. Yeah, I feel you on that one. That's like Brandon Marshall going here for two years and then leaving after getting stabbed by his wife. We've got a Dante Culpepper sighting here from Bjorn. Oh man, I'm just going to go with your handle at Bjorn121 on Twitter. The next one comes in here from Cody O'Day at AttractionLaw84, an orange Junior Seau jersey. Rest in peace to him. Chris LaRondo at extortion on Twitter. The Ginn family, so I guess he bought multiple jerseys. Now, probably just Ted Ginn's jersey and also Vontae Davis who got traded quickly after being drafted. Corey Ashburn at Ashburn PFN says Jarvis Landry and he's mad because he didn't leave in the best terms and I agree with you on that, Corey. Jarvis was pretty much lying about his experience in Miami. A Jets fan, Play Like a Jet, Scott Mason, the host of the Play Like a Jet podcast. He's at Play Like a Jet 1, bought a Neil O'Donnell jersey. He's not pumped about that one. We got light fighter. He's at Branderson, 7474. He bought his wife a Mike Wallace jersey. How dare you? The next one from Randy Savage at RJC Lifestyle. His first and last Dolphins jersey was Dante Culpepper. Of course, that coincides with Drew Brees, so that one hurts quite a bit. We got one here from Colin at CSN underscore Nard underscore Dog. Lamar Odom of the Dol- Dallas Mavericks, our first non-football jersey. Next one here from Luke at Wandering Dolphin. Authentic Brandon Marshall jersey. I mean, he was, I remember when they traded for him, it was such a big deal because Chad Henney needed his new weapon. The Dolphins, like we talk about on this podcast all the time, have not had a star receiver and that was supposed to be Marshall. Maybe at the first part of his career in Miami, he was becoming that, but it just didn't work out. He winds up getting traded once the Dolphins draft Ryan Tannehill and they wind up bringing Mike Wallace in to be his go-to guy. So it just never seems to work. We got a Chad Henney jersey here from TGA at the gray area. What else we got here? Scrolling down the list, another Chad Henney from Brennan Emhenser at Finn, Indiana 13. And we're gonna close up shop on these last two because we're not gonna top these ones. We'll go to Adam Vaccaro at Adam underscore Vaccaro, good friend of mine going back to the Dolphins message board days. He says Cecil Collins, as I'm sure some of you older Dolphins fans recall, he did not quite work out. And then the last one that we can end it on here. I don't know if he's being serious. I hope he's not. But Cat NFL at Brian Cat NFL, he hosts the On the Fin Side podcast. Really good dude and a good podcast there as well. He bought a Jonathan Martin number 71 Aqua Dolphins jersey and custom made it as well. So, yes, sir. Big Cat, Brian Cat NFL, you win the competition. Jonathan Martin, it does not get any worse than that. I still contest that Jonathan Martin although he had some serious mental issues that I really hope he's gotten fixed since that happened but that whole episode basically cost the Dolphins Richie Incognito who at the time was a Pro Bowl guard and Miami has not figured out the guard position since then so you sir take the cake that is the worst jersey purchase of anybody on this list and here's hoping that going forward this Dolphins team finds players that makes us proud to wear the jerseys and hopefully stop wasting money on so many jerseys that are gone in a year or two. All right, we're going to wrap this podcast up. We've got bold predictions coming down the pipe this week. Game-by-game predictions part number one will be on tomorrow's podcast, I believe, and we'll get that done prior to mid-July when we officially begin the training camp preview series examining each position group. We're going to have a 10-part series on the podcast and the website looking at different positions each day and I think that series is slated to start on July 11th, give or take. But either way, we're going to get you guys through until then. But as for today's show, that is my time. I want to tell you guys about GRIP6 belts, the best belts in the universe, as today's show is brought to you in part by GRIP6 and their belts with no holes and no flap. They make a great gift for any man in your life or woman. You can check out their men's and women's section up on GRIP6.com slash lock. That's GRIP6.com slash lock with an E to close that thing out. All right, we're going to get out of here for this podcast, guys. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at Linkful NFL Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Check out the Locked On Dolphins website for all your written content. And we'll be back tomorrow for another edition of Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Now you coming out the side of your face, we you tapping right into your memory bank, thanks. So click at the ticket, let's see your seatbelt fasten. Trunk rattling, like two midgets in
0: the back, seat rattling. Speaker box vibrate the tank. make it sound like a aluminum can.